Welcome to the Oregon Prep Roundup, where we take a look at all small school high school athletics here in the state of Oregon. This is Chad. And this is Ray. Chad, we got a lot to talk about today. There's a lot going on in the state of Oregon. I know you want to touch bases a little bit on, on basketball and league play. And the Oregon Classic Wrestling's just started, uh, or just finished, actually. So uh, that was this weekend, and we got some big news on the wrestling front with, with some of that stuff. But let's start out today just talking about what's going on with the OSAA and uh, a couple of the big things they've got going on. They've got the new transfer task force they put together, and the football ad hoc committee has had a lot of conversations and had a meeting not too long ago, so we'll have a little conversation about that. Uh, do you know much about the ad hoc committee and what they're doing with 1A and 2A football, Chad? Um, I don't I don't have a ton of information. You know, I know that they're looking at, um, you know, we have six-man football uh, in 1A, and we have eight-man football in, in 1A, and then 2A, as of right now, is 11-man. Um, that committee is talking about potentially making that uh, nine-man, uh, just depending on how numbers are for different 2A uh, schools. And I know that you're, <clears throat> you guys had the option at, at your school uh, staying at 1A or going to 2A, and so what? What were kind of your thoughts? What were you? What, what, what went into? What went into that decision of making you guys make your decision? Yeah, so we we did. I coach at Oak Ridge, and we played eight man football this year, 1A eight man football, and it was kind of new to me to be able to coach eight man football. It was a little different. There was some some subtle differences in coaching that game. Offensively, it almost comes off the same, but defensively, you kind of feel like you're a guy short all the time. Uh, because it's that even amount of players on the field, you know, you have eight instead of the you know fo- main, you know football eleven man football. So you you kind of just felt like you're a man short. So what the OSAA has kind of come up with is the idea of nine man football would would really be able to it would be an easy transition from eleven man down to nine man because you still have that odd amount of players on the field. I took the opportunity to to watch a bunch of film and contact a bunch of people in North Dakota, and they play nine-man football in North Dakota and Minnesota, and I really liked what I saw. It really gave the feel of, of you know, I guess, quote, unquote, real football. I hate that term because the kids that we, we coached to eight-man football were real football players, but it really gave that feeling, especially defensively. They were able to run some zone stuff and have a safety sitting in the back and do some things that way that you don't see a lot in eight-man football because of that odd amount or even amount of players on the field. So OSA is looking at that. Uh, one thing I like about the nine-man football offensively is um, – you know, you play with 11, and basically when you go to nine-man, you take your tackles away. Um, so if some of those teams who really love to spread football and with four receivers, um, they can still run that kind of offense. It's just two less linemen. And so that makes more sense to me rather than eight-man again, but that's not not our decision. And, and But as a football coach, I like the nine-man option. Absolutely. It was something that I thought was a great idea. You know, I, and they brought it and actually recommended it at one point. I know that a lot of the smaller leagues, um, eight-man leagues, were a little bit against it just because of the transition up, and they were worried. You know, that one extra player doesn't seem like a lot, but it can be a lot. And then, um, and the tradition of eight-man football and what the coaches knew and that kind of thing. And then some of the other schools, the two-way schools, you know, were a little worried about transitioning down to nine-man football because, again, uh, you know, tradition and what they've known and all that kind of thing. So they've kind of requested with the OSAA that that we do the nine-man thing, but that we do it over a, a period of two years. So I think what we're going to do is we're going to see 
Uh, 11-man football at 2A. Um, Eight-man football at 1A. Uh, but JV games at 2A will be played in the nine-man level. So that way the transition in two years uh, will, will go a little more smoothly. And then I think they're just going to combine 1A and 2A to nine-man football and uh, still have six-man for smaller 1A schools. And then any 2A schools that want to play still 11-man football can play up to the 3A level. So I think that's what the USA has kind of concluded that they're going to do. The decision hasn't been 100% made, but that looks like the direction they're going. Yeah, I know that the nine-man uh, game has been tested. I know last this last fall in the, in a, in the Southern Coast um, Middle School League, they opted to go to nine-man football. Um, so we're talking uh, Florence, Gold Beach. Uh, band and some of those they went to that nine man um, option and that was decided last spring um, to kind of help out with numbers and, and maybe some safety issues on the field and um, you know I think that they also opted to potentially not have any special teams at that at that level either so um, I think with USA football and tackle football under a little bit of scrutiny obviously because it is um, you know that we have some injuries and concussions and, and those things and um, but football really is the safest it's ever been right now. Um, I think that with USA football, um, they have many different options. They have a six, seven, eight for youth youth sports, um, which is really trying to save our, our our football programs in the state of Oregon, especially at the smaller levels, because um, we just don't have a lot of student athletes turning out to play football anymore. And I think at times, if somebody gets injured when they're a younger kid, um, they get you know, tempted not to come back to the to the football. So I think this um, making the game as safe as possible and changing the numbers, I think that's going to be good for the game overall as we move forward. Absolutely, yeah. The other thing the USA has done that I wanted to touch bases on is they've created this transfer task force. And honestly, it's kind of a bit of a uh, – nobody really knows what it is from what I can tell. They had a meeting, or at least they posted that they had a meeting, but they haven't actually – uh, posted the results of that their last meeting, so I, we uh, nobody really knows what it is. But I think that what what my understanding is is that the USA has kind of realized that there are some problems going on within the transfers. You know, we've got student athletes in the high school level posting on Twitter, posting their free agency and and where they're going to go to play high school football and other sports. You know, basketball. There's a lot of recruiting. I know. Um, in a community I'm aware of, they've got a uh, high school wrestling coach driving, you know, 20 miles across town to pick a kid up and take him to his school. Uh, so there's a lot of this recruiting of athletes and, and athletes going to different schools. And I think the USA wants to get a little handle on that. What are your What are your thoughts on all the transfers and this idea of a transfer task force? And what would you hope to see come out of that kind of thing, Chad? Um, I really hope that they could, you know, come to some um, set of standards or requirements or, you know, something for these transfers because it, it does kind of, you know, it, it's kind of bringing into what they, what's happening in college and, you know, wherever a, a student athlete lives, that's where they should play, you know, and um, it makes it tough being a coach um, to all of a sudden have one of your, maybe one of your better or maybe not as, as good, but one of your players just move that you had a role for. Um, you know, before the season starts. And so um, I'm not a fan of the transferring and, and all those things that are, that's happening. And 
I think that something needs to happen um, <clears throat> in the in high school athletics because it's really going to hurt hurt the game and hurt that sense of community, uh, the sense of pride in your school, um, and some of those things. And so I think that this task force will be be a positive um, once they kind of decide what what they want to do. Yeah, I think one of the ideas I've heard floated out there, some friends of mine that coach, we you know we've had a lot of conversations around this kind of thing, and I really kind of like the idea of putting a radius of area that you're allowed to transfer out with no penalty, you know, obviously families move for jobs or whatever the case may be. And a kid shouldn't be able to transfer to a new school for that reason. But uh, if a family doesn't move uh, or even if they do, but they move, you know, four blocks away or whatever, uh, you know, I think that one of the things I have heard is maybe a 20 mile radius. If you don't move further away than 20 miles, that that you you can go to the new school and you can play, but you can only play at the sub varsity level, and that might put a little nix on some of these transfers. Um, I kind of like that idea. I think that some of the transfers that I've seen, um, they, they've just gotten out of hand, and I know that happens a lot in the Portland area. It's happening quite a bit in the Eugene area. The open schools um, has allowed for that a little bit. Uh, and, and the OSAA has rules in place. It just doesn't seem like they're really able to enforce them completely because the power is within the athletic director's you know, area, and, and some athletic directors are the ones that are doing the recruiting. Yeah, you know, I, I've heard of <clears throat> stories where uh, in certain not small communities, but, you know, two or three high school towns where, you know, one player will play football at a certain school and that player's brother will play basketball at another school in that town and so those are the things that I think need to be looked at and um, have some really really you know long conversations about how we can improve uh, you know and make that make it equal and so you know people are playing for their communities and their high schools because I just don't know if that sense of pride or community is happening anymore. I, I agree 100% I hope this transfer task force does the job that it's set out to do and um, I think that it could be a really great thing for the OSAA to, to set some ground rules. And, you know, on the flip side of things, if they if they just say, OK, you know what, we're done with these rules and it's just going to be open recruiting. I think that I, I'm not a big advocate for that, but at least we all know what the rules are right now. It feels like um, the rules are very vague and and up to interpretation by each individual or almost up to integrity by each individual. And so if your integrity is, hey, I'm going to go out and recruit kids and, and, and kind of subvert the rules of the OSA, then that's okay. And then if, if my athletic director says, no, uh, we don't do that kind of thing, you know, so it's just so subjective right now. Um, I think that if they would just enforce, set a set of rules and really enforce those or say, Hey, we're getting rid of the rules altogether and you guys do what you got to do. Uh, one way or the other, that's what I, I want to see. Yeah. Um, it'll be interesting to see how that all works out. And uh, we're going to move on now. It seems like you got your, your very important notes ready there for a little wrestling talk. So let's hear what you had to say and let, let our listeners know about uh, the state of Oregon and wrestling. I do. I've got my notes ready. One of the things I've loved about doing this podcast is that it's really had me kind of diving into some research on on these kids across the state. And uh, I, I actually started this research a couple days ago, and I thought I was going to go through all of 
1A through 4A wrestling. And as I got deeper and deeper into it, I realized this would be a three-hour podcast if we did that. Um, and right now we're just using the, the free podcast, so we only get to give two hours a month. So uh, we're going to just cover 1A and 2A, top two in the state right now. I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, all those kids and where they're from. Uh, so we'll just we'll dive right in. At 106 pounds, number one ranked 1A, 2A wrestler, Jose Martinez from Reedsport, a sophomore out of Reedsport. And at uh, number two ranked is Debron Sanabria, Sanabria, a freshman from Culver. I'm not sure if I'm saying the name right. I I apologize, and I'm sure you can get a hold of me on on Twitter or Facebook or our email and let me know. Uh, Neither of those are returning state placers from last year. 113 pounds, we have Garrett Burns as number one, uh, sophomore out of Embler. And number two, we have Brody Piercy Jr. from Culver, a 2019 third-place state finisher at 106 pounds. So he's moved up seven pounds, wrestling at 113 right now, uh, placed third last year, and he's number two ranked this year. I think we have a pattern here, two Culver Two Culver student-athletes. You know, one of the things about wrestling, you, you, I think we'll see a pattern throughout, is when you have a great wrestling program, you know, good athletes compete against good athletes in the wrestling room, and it just kind of continues, and you, you end up with really, really good um, wrestlers overall. Uh, and I think you'll see that as we move on. At 120 pounds, we have Oak Tenold, a senior from Bonanza. Last year, a second-place state finisher at 120 pounds. Stayed the same weight. And uh, we actually have a state champion ranked number two at 120 pounds. Chase Butner out of Pine Eagle was the 2019 state champion at 106 pounds. So he's uh, gone up 14 pounds and um, ranked number two right now at 120 pounds. 126 pounds. Again, you'll see Cutter Tanaka Jr. from Pine Eagle. I would be willing to bet that Chase and and Cutter are are practice partners and making each other better on a daily basis. Yeah, I would agree. Number one, he's number one. Number two, we have Hagen Johnson, uh, a sophomore out of Central Lynn, 2019 second place state finisher at 106 pounds. So he's gone up 20 pounds uh, this year, wrestling up. 132 pounds. Uh, number one seed, Caleb Oliver Sr. from Oakland, uh, not a state placer last year. Um, number two seed, we have Eli Carson, a senior from Reedsport, second place finisher last year at state at 126 pounds. 138, we have uh, number one is Hunter McCurvin from Central Lynn, a senior. Number two is Anthony Hood Jr. from Culver. 2019 third place state finisher at 132 pounds. The 145 pound weight class has Lane Downing Sr. as the number one. He's out of Culver. He was a state champion in 2019 at 138 pounds. Um, He's going to be the runner up. Number two seed is Zeb Ramsden. Ramsden. From Joseph, 2019 second place state finisher at 132 pounds. Uh, 152 pounds, Tanner Clark Sr. Sorry, Tanner Clark Jr. from Siletz Valley. Um, Number one, he was 2019 fourth place state finisher at 145 pounds. Number two, we've got Morgan Ludwig, sophomore from Lakeview. Uh, 160 pounds, Isaiah Toomey, sophomore out of Culver. 
2019 fourth place state finisher at 152 pounds. And this last name is a tough one. I'm going to do my best. It's uh, second seed at 160 pounds is Hunter Augustinovich. Augustinovich. Uh, senior from Culver, 2019 second place state finisher. So you got two Culver kids at 160 pounds, uh, number one and number two seeds right now in the state at, at that area. This next one I really like seeing. It's going to be exciting if they get to the state finals, you know. Uh, 170 pounds, we have Braden Claiborne, a junior from Coquille, 2019 state champion at 160 pounds. And number two seed is Brody Ballard, sophomore from Monroe, also a 2019 state champion at 152 pounds. So two state champions rank one and two in that, that bracket. Um, 182 pounds, we have number one, Seth Butler Jr., Pine Eagle, 2019 second place state finisher at 160 pounds. Number two, Russell Hodge, senior Grant Union. 195, we have uh, Travis Bennett Jr. from Neokonai, uh, not a state finisher last year, and Connor Cook, a senior out of Nestica, um, also not a state finisher last year. 220 pounds, Jonah Stegel Jr. from Joseph slash Wallawa, 2019 fourth place state finisher, 195 pounds. Number two, Jimmy North Sr., Central Lynn, 2019 fourth place state finisher, 220 pounds. And then at the heavyweight 285-pound division, we have Drew Lusco Sr. from Grant Union, 2019 second-place state finisher at 285 pounds. And then number two is uh, Kenneth Johnston Sr., Siletz Valley. Oh, uh, that's quite the rundown. I yeah. think uh, at 195, was that Nia Connie? Nia Connie High School. Uh, we, we're, hey, we're, we're new and we're, we're coming in, and so if we have any – mispronunciations we're not you know doing that on purpose we want to get these names out there so uh, feel free to talk to us on twitter uh facebook uh send us an email and we can get those pronunciations right for you yeah absolutely <laughs> I, I know i've probably butchered a couple of those and i apologize hey i want to move on a little bit into the two two-way state uh team rankings overall 1a and 2a you know culver ranked number one uh and, and for good reason i think you know they end up uh being the 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 champions at the Oregon Classic this week. Uh, the number two ranked team is actually was listed as Pine Eagle, uh, but they did not end up being a state or a, a finalist in the Oregon Classic. Uh, Central Lynn, the number three ranked team, and they end up taking second place at the Oregon Classic. And then Grant Union, uh, again, a not ranked team, took third place at the Oregon Classic. And then Reedsport. Uh, they're listed as the fifth-ranked team, but they took fourth place at the Oregon Classic. Uh, and then, you know, to, to carry on with the Oregon Classic at the 3A level, Burns was the, the champion uh, at the Oregon Classic. Second place went to Dayton. And then uh, at the 4A level, we had first place went to LeGrand. Second place went to your alma mater there, Sweet Home. Third place, Tillamook. Fourth place, Baker and Powder Valley. Uh and then what I wanted to do, I wanted to just kind of close out wrestling a little bit by just talking about some pound-for-pound pound rankings for the small kids. One of the things I love about wrestling, Chad, is that, um, you know, it, it doesn't matter how big your school is. It doesn't matter any of that stuff. When you get on the mat, it's just you 
versus your opponent. And I've seen a ton of 1A kids beat 6A kids. I've seen a ton of 2A kids beating 4A kids. You know, it doesn't matter. It's one-on-one out there when you get out there. And so I really love that about wrestling. And even at the college level, you know, I've seen Southern Oregon University come up and duel some Division I schools and win in the duels. Um, and that just doesn't happen at any other level. You would never see Southern Oregon University come up and play in the Oregon Ducks in football and, you know, it would just wouldn't even be close, right? I like I like uh, I like the fact that in all the individual sports, you know, um, that's one of the other great reasons we're doing this podcast is because we may have a, an awesome two A three uh, A wrestler that could compete at the five A six A level, but just because of where they live, we don't we want to make sure their name gets out there as well. Because when it comes down to it, you know, if you're um, if you're good, people are going to notice, and so. Um, we want to make sure we get the names out of, of these student athletes who are, you know, at the 1A, 2A, 3A, 4A level, and, and especially in these individual sports because they could compete at, at anywhere, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So let's, you know, I've got five of the top female wrestlers in the state I want to talk, uh, just, just bring up their name. I don't know a whole lot about them. I haven't had a chance to watch them wrestle, but I just want to bring up their name. They're ranked in the top uh, top 10 as far as pound-for-pound pound wrestlers in their in their uh, uh in their division. division. Well, not even in their division, in the state of Oregon, right. actually. You know, pound for pound, the state of Oregon. So, uh, number eight, uh, we'll start from the bottom and go up. Number eight, Rihanna Herzog, a, a junior from Cottage Grove, is ranked number eight as a pound for pound wrestler. Number six ranked pound for pound wrestler, Tyler Richardson, a sophomore from Vail. Number five is Marissa Kurtz, a senior from Sweet Home. Number three is Emma Truex a senior from Phoenix. And then number two is Alexis Zapeda Jr. from Jervis. So those are the top five uh, 4A and under female wrestlers. I got to tell you, Chad, I don't know if you follow wrestling that much, but uh, female wrestling, uh, the women's division, the girls' division, has just exploded over the the last few years. Um, There's almost more girls out there sometimes than boys at these wrestling tournaments. My son, who's nine, wrestles, and I'd say half of his brackets are always filled with the girls. And it's just really awesome to see uh, these opportunities going out there, these girl wrestlers that are putting so much work in. So I want to make sure to get some credit out to these young ladies that are doing an awesome job on the mat and and working hard to get their, you know, whatever their wrestling dreams are. But these girls have done a great job. So congratulations to those five. Yeah, I know that wrestling, especially for the the women's level, is is like you're talking about. It's, it's getting huge, and I know they have two kind of big tournaments towards the end. They're regional tournaments, and then they'll go up and wrestle at the same time during the state tournament with the boys um, as well. And so uh, it's great to see that you know getting more people involved because wrestling, I think, is a uh, a great a great uh, athletic sport and, and teaches you a lot and a lot about mental toughness and it teaches you a lot about yourself. And so uh, the more people we get into that, I think that's great. Yeah, let's talk about. I actually only have the four of the boys standouts here. Uh, four of the top fifteen pound for pound wrestlers in the state are four A and uh, and down. So I'll talk about just their names a little bit. Uh, Elijah Cleaver, a senior from Nissa, ranked number thirteen. Um, Blake Larson, a senior from Dayton, ranked number twelve. And I'm not real sure how to say this name, so I'm going to do my best here. Moreau Michelle or Moreau 
Michael, a sophomore from Cascade. Not really sure how to say that name. And then this last name I'm going to bring up, you're going to hear uh, the last name a couple times this podcast and the next podcast. We're going to we're going to hear it quite a bit. Gabe Vidlack, a senior from Cascade Christian. I can also tell you that uh, I think it's Gabe's dad, Danny Vidlack, was a standout at Hidden Valley High School and ended up being a, a national wrestler for the University of Oregon and did a great job for them. Um, and Gabe Vidlack has signed his letter of intent and is uh, planning on wrestling at Oregon State next year. So um, congrats to him. And you'll hear that last name, Vidlack, as we move forward. Enough about wrestling, Chad. Let's talk about basketball. I know you've got some information here you want to share with us on the basketball front. Yeah, uh, basketball-wise, I just want to quickly go over kind of uh, where we're at standings-wise. Some leagues haven't started here from the 4A level down, um, but we do have some rankings, which at the end of the year will determine who plays who in the playoffs. And so uh, I want to first start with girls' basketball, and we're going to start at the 4A level. Uh, so in the Coapa League, you have uh, Astoria, who's ranked fourth in the state. Uh, and Valley Catholic, who's ranked 10. So those are kind of the top two teams. Uh, again, they haven't started league. they got five teams in that league, and so I know that they start league on Tuesday. Um, and so we'll kind of see uh, where they fall there. Um, down to the uh, 4A Tri-Valley Co- Conference, we have uh, two teams ranked – actually three teams ranked in the top 10. At number six is North Marion, number seven is Madras, and number nine is Malala. So – um, again, they have not started their league. I believe that starts this week. And so we will kind of get into, um, you know, seeing who's who and have some top 10 matchups. Um, down at the 4A uh, Oregon West Conference, they've started. They look to be three games into the league season. Um, they've got two teams in the top 10, uh, including the undefeated number one ranked Philomath Warriors, who I know have a lot of great young um Basketball players, I think they got a couple sophomores who have done, who played a ton last year as freshmen. And so they are really, uh, it's a really good kind of group that got going and they've had a lot of success. Um, next league, we're going to talk about the Sky M League. Um, no teams in the top 10, but I'll talk to you about the top two teams. They have started league. Um, Cottage Grove is ranked 11th and they're 10 and 5. And then Junction City's girls uh, ranked 15th in the state and they're 7 and 8. Uh, down to the Skyline Conference, uh, it looks like there's only been one league game, uh, potentially due to some uh, bad weather down there. They had to cancel some, some games, but uh, this is kind of Klamath Falls area um, and down south. Uh, Henley is ranked 12th, uh, and they are 10-5. and five. And then Hidden Valley is third in the state of Oregon. Um, they have not played a league game yet, um, but I, I know that they've played um, a couple of teams up north here twice um and they've had some success i only have two losses didn't they hidden valley and philomath have an opportunity to play each other not too long ago was that on the boys side chad uh so hidden valley has played philomath uh, and hidden valley's girls lost to philomath 62 to 49 that was just on january 3rd so pretty recent game yeah so that was a first and third team ranked uh teams there yeah i had an opportunity one of my friends aaron Shermerhorn, coaches boys basketball over at uh philomath and he told me how impressed he was down there at hidden valley at both the athleticism of the boys team and the girls team so yeah i thought i'd heard about that uh, and then the last 4a girls league is the greater oregon league over in northeast oregon uh you got two teams that are in the top five you have the baker bulldogs um who are actually you know in the state championship game last year and then uh the grand tigers they're ranked fifth um, let's go to the 3A real quick. Um, as far as, you know, we have a lot of, a lot of leagues that look like they started. I'm looking at the Lewis and Clark League. Uh, 
the top of that league right now is Horizon Christian, five and zero in league. Uh, the next one, the Pac West Conference. Um, you have one team right now who's undefeated, two and zero in league, and that is the Yamhill Carlton Tigers. Um, we'll go down to the Coastal Range uh, League. You have three teams actually undefeated. Two of those teams are in the top five. So you have Klatskanai, uh, ranked number one in the state, and then Willamina, who is ranked number five in the state. Uh, Mountain Valley Conference is uh, at the top here. We have Harrisburg. They're three and one, also ranked third in the state. Um, you have Sanium Christian, who's number seven in the state, two and one in league. And then you have the number nine team in the state currently, who is two and one league as well, and that's the Pleasant Hill Billies. Um, we go down to the Far West League, and we have kind of a, a basketball power on the girls' side here at Sutherland. They are three and one league, fifteen and one overall, and number two in the state of Oregon. Uh, I know C- Coach Grind does a great job down there, and has for the last couple of years. Uh, actually, more than a couple of years, he's been there for about fifteen, I think. So that's a few more than a couple. Yeah, they had a, a run there where they run three or four state championships in a row at the four A level. So yeah. they've they've had had some uh, pretty good teams going there, and then also they have another team ranked in the top ten. And the Far West League, and as the Brookings Harbor Bruins, and they are ranked number six. And then the last three A team, three uh, A league, the Eastern Oregon League. Um, you have a team in Burns that is ranked fourth uh, in the state of Oregon currently in the OSA rankings. Two uh, A. I'm going to go very quickly. Uh, you're looking at the Northwest League. You have the number one team actually, but they have a league loss. It's Faith Bible. Um, at the top of that league currently is Vernonia, six and one in league, but also 16th uh, in the state of Oregon. Uh, we go to the two-way Tri-River Conference. Two teams in the top five here: Jervis at number four and Kennedy at number five. Kennedy is undefeated in league currently. Jervis has one loss. Uh, Central Valley girls basketball. We got Central Lynn ranked number three in the state of Oregon. They are five and zero in league. And Monroe, they are ranked ninth in the state of Oregon, also 5-0 in league. So they've yet to play each other. Uh, the 2A Sunset Conference, we have two undefeated league teams. Uh, we have Bandon and Coquille. Coquille is seventh with one loss overall. Uh, and Bandon is 15-1, 4-0 league, and they are 12th in the state of Oregon. Uh, and then the, the last two leagues here in 2A, we have Lost River and Illinois Valley. They're both undefeated in league. Uh Lost River is 13th overall in the state of Oregon, and Illinois Valley is 29th. Um, and then the last two-way league is Union, 4-0, 6 in the state of Oregon. Stanfield is the second-place team, 4-1, 10th in the state of Oregon. And then Enterprise, they're 3-1, and 11-2 overall, and they are number two in the state of Oregon. Uh one A wise, we're going to go kind of quickly here. We got some teams in the top ten in the Valley Ten League. Uh, number four in the state is Country Christian. Number eight in the state of Oregon is Southwest Christian, and then number nine is Damascus Christian. Uh, we go down to the next league, the Casco League. We have two teams in the top three in this league: uh, Saint Paul at number two and Perrydale at number three in the state of Oregon. Um, and then we have the Mountain West 1A League. We have Mohawk, and number five, undefeated, 13-2 overall. Uh, the Skyline League here, North Douglas, um, they are 5-0 in league, 15-1 overall, sixth in the state of Oregon. And then uh, we got two more here, Mountain Valley League. Trinity Lutheran is 8-2 in league, and they're number 12 in the state of Oregon. Uh, 1A Big Sky League, Echo, undefeated in league, 16th in the state of Oregon. And then the Old Oregon League, 
We got Wallawa at three and one at the top, ranked thirteenth. They do have the number seventh ranked team who's only played one league game so far, and that's Joseph. And then the High Desert League, number one in the state of Oregon, one and zero in league, eleven and zero overall, is Crane. So let's go to the boys' side. Uh, we'll start with the one A. Uh, and we'll just go kind of through the top teams here. So in the Valley 10 League at the 1A boys level, number one in the state of Oregon, undefeated is Life Christian. Number three is Damascus Christian in the state, and North Clackamas Christian rounds out that top three, number nine in the state of Oregon. Uh, we go to the Casco League. Cross Hill Christian is undefeated in the league, 14-2 and two overall, and they are number four in the state. Uh, the top team in the Mountain West League is Mohawk, 6-0 and overall, uh, sorry, 6-0 in league, 9-6 overall, 19th in the state of Oregon. Um, the league standings for the Skyline League. We have an undefeated Days Creek team, ranked 17th. Uh, Mountain Valley, number two and number six. You have Triad, number two, 9-0, and Trinity Lutheran is 9-1. And, uh, and the Big Sky League, Iona is 16th in the state of Oregon. Uh, Powder Valley and the Old Oregon League is 3-0, and and they are 14th in the in the state of Oregon, you have the number seven team in the state and uh, Nikki Alway. And then you have the number five team in the state on the boys' side and Joseph, one and own league currently. Uh, the High Desert League, you have number eight in the state, undefeated in the league, one loss overall, and that's Prairie City. There's a lot of 1A schools. What do you think about that, Ray? Yeah, I mean, I think the thing with basketball is, you know, you, you can get away with having five, six, seven kids on the court. So I think basketball is a really great sport for these these 1A schools. You got a lot of, you know, you'll hear a lot of the, the Christian schools, the private schools. You hear a lot of those names that you don't hear in other sports. So I think that's where they're able to, uh, you know, field teams. And it's great for them. I think they're able to focus on sport, on, on basketball. So you end up seeing them being pretty dominant a lot of times in the basketball field. Yeah, we're going to go to uh, 2A Men's Northwest League. We have two teams in the top 10. They have Knapp at number three and Columbia Christian at number eight. Uh, the Tri-River Conference also has number uh, two, sorry, teams in the top 10, including the number one team in the state of Oregon. That's Western Christian, and Sandy Am is ranked number seven. Can I uh, just point out that Western Christian is a team that was actually invited to the Les Schwab Classic. So uh, you got a two-way team competing in that Les Schwab Classic, another you know case where I don't think they do a lot of other sports there. They're able to focus on basketball and, and very, very competitive at, at what they do. Yeah, that basketball uh, program has been good, and it's been good for a long time. Uh, it's a longtime head coach who's done some great things there. Uh, here in the two-way Central Valley Conference, one team in the top ten at number five, and that's Oakland. We we'll go to the Sunset Conference. We have two, three teams in the top ten, four in the top eleven. You have number two in the state, Toledo. You have number four in the state, Coquille. Uh, Bandon is ranked number ten, and then number eleven is Reedsport. So four teams there, all within the top eleven. Uh, we go to the next league, the Southern Cascade League, and that is Lost River, ranked number nine in the state. Um, and then the Blue Mountain Conference, Eastern Oregon, uh, you have Pilot Rock, who is ranked sixth currently in the OSA rankings. At the top of that league is Grant Union, 5-1 and one in league, 13th in the state of Oregon. Now uh, to the 3A. Uh, we've got three teams in the Lewis and Clark League who are in the top 11. The number one ranked team in 3A currently is De La Salle North Catholic. Uh, number six is Riverdale. Number 11 is Oregon Episcopal. Uh, let's go to 
the PAC West Conference, the 3A PAC West, they have the number two, three, and four team in the state of Oregon currently. You have Amity at number two, Salem Academy at number three, Dayton at number four. Uh, the Coastal Range League, uh, currently we have uh, some teams in the in the top 25. Number 22 is Warrington, and number 24 is Rainier. In the Mountain Valley Conference, we have the number eight team in the Crestwell Bulldogs, and then we have the number nine team in the Sam Christian Eagles. Uh, in the Far West League 3A, we have Cascade Christian at number five, and Sutherland's boys at number seven. And then in the Eastern Oregon League, rounding it out, number 12, 13, and 14. We have number 12, Riverside, number 13, Nissa, and number 14, Umatilla, as they get their league game started. And finally, we'll go over the, the 4A. Uh, you have the Coapa League, 4A Seaside. Uh, they're ranked sixth currently in the OSAA. Banks is the former and the, the reigning state champion. They are ranked fifth in the state of Oregon in the OSA rankings. In the Tri-Valley Conference, North Marion ranked number two. In the Oregon West, we have the number one ranked Philomath Warriors, the number four Woodburn Bulldogs, and the number nine Staten Eagles uh, currently. And my alma mater, like you mentioned earlier, number 11, Sweet Home Huskies. Uh, in the Sky End League, we have Marist, the number three in the state of Oregon, and Marshfield currently at number eight in the state of Oregon. Uh, in the Skyline Conference, in the top seven, we have one team, number seven, Klamath Union. And finally, the Greater Oregon League, where we have at the top of that league, we have LeGrand and McLaughlin currently. LeGrand is 26th in the state, and McLaughlin is 21st currently. Um, and so as league gets started, we'll have some interesting matchups, it seems. And as we move forward here in the basketball section, we'll bring uh, bring you more. We'll bring you scores and highlights. We just wanted to get those teams out there currently who are um, at the top and ranked high. And as we move forward, those rankings will mean quite a bit and, and who gets who plays who and who gets to play at home and who doesn't. And so um, we'll talk all about the, the playoff qualifications and those things as we move forward. Absolutely. <clears throat> Thanks for the update, Chad. Uh, you know, I it's interesting. You hear a lot of these same names year in and year out. And like you said, you know, a, a great coach can make a absolutely difference on a, a program. Some of these schools have had the same coaches for 15, 20 years and just continue to be successful year in and year out. Uh, so I think as we close out this program, I want to touch bases a little bit about what we can expect next week. Uh, are you going to do another bas basketball yeah, we'll do a kind of a quick basketball update and, and uh, you know, we'll go over some league opponents and some of these leagues have started and we'll really start to see who separates from the top to bottom in these leagues and focus on who, uh, you know, is doing well and who's going to be in the playoffs. Yeah, and I think, you know, next week for the wrestling update, actually it's the um, the Kids Wrestling State Championships are our next weekend and I'd like to get some of the – the high school athletes that are going to be wrestling at that, there's still, you know, the, that age group where I think it's the cadets, I think is the age. Uh, some of those kids are freshmen in high school. So we might be able to see some of the up and coming athletes by who won in those weight divisions. So I'd like to focus a little bit on that. And then also talk a little bit about uh, the 3A top two wrestlers in each weight. So we'll focus on that wrestling wise. And then uh, I just had an opportunity, Chad, uh, just yesterday I had an opportunity to do a, a phone interview with a young man that I think is going to be a pretty special athlete moving forward. And so we're going to have that interview on next week's podcast. Sam Vidlack, the quarterback for Hidden Valley High School, 
3A uh, Offensive State Player of the Year, um, first team All State quarterback, and just did some really really neat things. Um, uh, just committed to Montana, the Montana Grizzlies, to play quarterback there. And uh, I had about a 15 minute phone interview with him. What an outstanding young man! I can't wait to bring that out to the public and to our listeners. Yeah, it'll be great to uh, get that information out there. And it sounds like a great interview. Can't wait to to have you guys listen. A um, couple things as we wrap up here. Um, again, our goal is to try to get a podcast out every Sunday, uh, Sunday night, Monday morning. Um, as we move forward, um, we'll have you know a coach's corner. We'll interview players and coaches. And so um, we are excited to kind of get this going. And we saw that we had a couple of listeners and that, you know, we're trying to get it out on Spotify and some of those other things. And so, again, if you need to follow us or you'd like to find out more information, uh, we do have a Twitter. It's just if you search Oregon Prep Roundup, um, you will see it's actually our Twitter handle is Oregon Prep, R-O-U-N-1. Um, but if you do search Oregon Prep Roundup, you'll find us uh, on there on Facebook or Oregon Prep Roundup um, as well. And so we'd like to get some more viewers on that. We'll post our podcasts on those two sources every week once we have them edited for you. Um, and then we also have a email. It's Oregon Prep Roundup at gmail.com. If you have, uh, you know, if you're in a 1A, a 2A, 3A, or 4A community and you have a great athlete who's doing great things, feel free to send us an email or let us know on Twitter or Facebook uh, if you feel that they need to be um, kind of talked about more. And, you know, that's our goal is to get exposure for those, those student athletes at these smaller schools. Um, and so, don't be afraid to get a hold of us and and let us know. And um, we want to make this podcast grow and, and see where we can take it. Absolutely. If you're one of the names that I I butchered today in my in my talking about wrestling, please let me know as well. I want to get the names right. I want to do this right. It's you know I just don't know all of these kids. It'd be way too many kids to know across the state of Oregon. So if I did get those wrong. Just, just send us a quick email. Let me get those correct. And tell us some stories about these guys. You know, I want to hear stories about kids. And and I, I actually had some great conversations this week about some of the facilities we talked about. I'd love to hear more stories about facilities and, and why these facilities are named after people. Uh, but do get a hold of us on Facebook, on Twitter, and on or on Gmail. Uh, follow us. Uh, send to your friends. We, we need want to get a, a good following here so we can get into all the communities and hear about all the stories across the state. So, you know, thanks for listening today. Uh, push us out there to your friends and have a great night. Yeah, have a good one.